Well, in the ad world, if you're doing that with ads, if you had to pull off ads, there's some great technology that can do that nowadays. If you have them dynamically inserted nowadays with tools like Captivate, a couple other ones as well. But from a content perspective, there's definitely, I would say, number one, if it's a host or like an employee, have them sign a contract. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the cutting-edge tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Luis Diaz, the founder of Top 10 Podcasts, and he's worked with over 200 podcasts and has generated over 15 million downloads for his clients. So today, we're going to be talking about why or why you shouldn't start a podcast. Welcome, Luis. Mark, thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. So let's just uh, launch into it. So, you know, obviously we do a lot of podcasting and digital marketer. We have the Perpetual Traffic podcast plus this podcast. I think this one does 50,000 downloads or so per month. And I think we're at 300,000 for the other one. So we love podcasting, but (laughs) a lot of business owners don't understand why you would do it and why you shouldn't do it. So let's just, why should people podcast? Yeah, it's a great question. I think there's sometimes there's like you get like almost like the pressure because you see everyone launching one like I should have one or you know maybe they feel like people feel like it's already passed like there's too many podcasts out there already why do we need another one and those are all very valid reasons or, or comments for me if for us like we kind of see a lot of people want to start podcasts and for us it comes down to two things I think when it comes to podcasting uh, two boxes I would say you want to check off before you launch into having a show or a podcast that's going to play regularly. Number one is, do you have a validated offer or a validated product that you can sell that's selling already without you having to do a ton of like, a ton of heavy, heavy promotion for it, crazy launches? Like, is your product selling? Is it like, is there demand in the marketplace for your product? And is it validated? I think that's the first thing. And the second thing, which probably comes before even the product is like, do you have your messaging and, and your avatar kind of dialed in, right? Sometimes we have the tendency as entrepreneurs to want to launch into, you know, a new thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next shiny object before we have like the basics down. I would say from our experience, if you have those two things um, dialed in, then a podcast is a great an additional source of traffic, not only just for like listeners, but also bringing on potential um, JV partners and finding a way to 
get yourself into conversations with other people that could be partners, clients, vendors, et cetera. A podcast is a great way to do that. But mm. those two things specifically, you want to make sure you have, because if you don't have one of those two things, you're going to spend a lot of time on the podcast trying to find those things and mm. figure it out. And then you're nine times out of 10, we see people typically pivot after a couple of months or even a year or so if they have to go and retweet one of those two things. Wow, that's that's a great point. Because I think a lot of people look at that new, I'll say a platform, if you consider podcasting, like, okay, that's one pillar type of content that you could create. Right. Uh, you're not going to be able to derive your product out of creating content for a podcast. You could amplify your product. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the magic really happens. If you know that, if you have something you're selling all the time, like we had a client earlier this year, she had a great membership product in the women's weight loss niche. And because she already had an audience, she knew what they were going to ask. We literally took a lot of her FAQs and like the comments she got from her Facebook group and the messages she got in her DMs and the email support questions. And those are all episodes. And they were great because they were like, you could take the copy from the client and use it as the title. And it converted really well because it's speaking their language, right? So if you have that kind of those kind of assets available to you, it makes it, your job as a podcaster so much easier. Oh, I love that. Well, now for those, I love the, how you said the FAQ questions, because I always talk about people on, hey, how do I start making content? It's like, just answer questions that people ask you. <laughs> Sounds exactly. obvious, but it's not obvious. Right. <laughs> so in that case, when I was doing podcasts for my clients, when I had an agency, I'd always get, uh, do I have to do interviews or can I just go solo? What do you recommend there in terms of figuring out the types of podcasts you're going to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So it always comes down to the goal. And for most people that are getting into it, they want a couple of things. They want thought leadership or to build their authority and they want to grow their revenue base through acquiring clients. Mm -hmm. And if that's the goal, then I did an episode about this a few months ago and it was why I hate interview podcasts. It was kind of a tongue-in-cheek title, but it got a lot of clicks. But the, what I basically said in there was, if you're looking to do those things, build authority and establish your, your name as a thought leader, then you probably want to do 70-30 solo content, interview content, right? And, and that's my personal opinion on it. I've seen it because from what we've seen with clients, like that typically works better. And even for me, Mark, like when I listen to a podcast, like there's a couple of shows I'll listen to and I actually skip the interviews because I just want to <laughs> listen to the hosts. Like it's their show. I want to listen to what they say. And I don't know, like, or trust the, inter the, the interviewee sometimes, mm -hmm. right? So, so for me, as a listener and also from what we've seen from the numbers and hear from like our clients, they're like their customer base. They actually like a lot of times if they're, if it's a thought leader type of authority or influencer based podcast, they're typically, I would say 70, 30 solos to interviews. Now a brand like digital marketer or a bigger brand interviews are probably, you can probably do it 50, 50, mm. I would say, because it's a different game at that point And it's a different strategy. So it depends, but for most people listening to this, I'd say probably 70-30 solo content to interview content. Oh, that's great. Well, and I like the 70-30 split versus just saying 50-50. For us, we usually try to assess like, okay, what type of content is doing well? And then let's just make more of that. Right. Uh, with the interviews, I kind of, with the Digital Marketer podcast, people know it's like, I don't do a lot of solo episodes, even though I actually prefer to do solo episodes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> because you control everything. Yep. You don't have to drive it forward. Like sometimes... And I don't know if anybody knows as I do this, but I'm pulling things back into a track because I'm like, this was the subject we're talking about. Like, I'll try to, <laughs> and yep. I'll go off yep. on tangents too. So it's not 
their fault. But it is easy to get stuck into like, okay, this is the type of content we do and then not do the other side. So I think Mm -hmm. that's an excellent recommendation just to try both. Do you have tips for, say, the interview process? There's always tutorials on that. But the solo process, do you recommend some outline for executing those? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Unless you're like a, unless you're like someone who can, who's naturally gifted at talking on a subject and you can just pull people into a room. And I would say like, look at yourself. If you go to parties and you can start talking and then you just see people like you ever seen that, like uh, I think our good buddy, mutual friend, Adam Lyons has this gift. Adam, like he can talk, right? And he'll see, you'll see, you'll turn your head and a minute later, a crowd will be around him. <laughs> and this guy's just got talent. That's not me. So for me, I outline all my stuff and I kind of model it almost like a YouTube video, really, really sharp, great hook at the beginning. Hey, today we're going to share the five reasons why you should not launch a podcast and maybe and one reason why you should. And then I'll just flow into a little bit of like a pre-frame, like, explaining the why behind this episode and then I'll go into the content and then give a call give a call to action at the end. So that's generally how I do it, but I do script it out, Mark, because it's just so much easier. <laughs> Whether you're doing video or audio only, it's so much easier if you have some kind of script or outline to go. Uh, I love that. Yeah, because I'm the same way with especially our videos that we shoot here at, at the studio. We actually had two people on yesterday, Julia McCoy, and then Michelle Knight, who's one of our employees. Julia is an author that does content, lots of content marketing. So they came in and they just busted out these awesome videos, just free form. And I can't do that because I script everything. And yeah. it's usually exact. Like I don't even do for, I have done solo podcasts where I'll just do bullet points and I'll know right. like, okay, I know how to talk about these bullet points, but typically, yeah, scripting does well for me, yeah. especially. Do you use a teleprompter? Or are you basically just reading off a doc? So this is the fun part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, typically I'm reading off of a doc. Yeah. And I'll have Google, I'll have Zoom or Riverside, whichever one I'm using kind of pulled up either next to me. So I'm still making eye contact and I'll do like on Apple, on my, my Mac, I'll split screen. So I'll have the Riverside on one side and then I'll have the dock on one side and then I'll go and just go through. And then another thing too with solos, like the cool thing is you can take breaks. Like you can take a water break and then just edit it out later. With interviews, sometimes it can get awkward, right? <laughs> like if I run to, to the bathroom or something, you can't do that in an interview as you can with a solo. So it's kind of nice. No one's waiting on you at the end of the day to do the content, right? So yeah, so typically I'll have not a teleprompter, but I'll just have my split screen, my Mac. If we're doing something more professional, then I'll have the camera and then like my phone as a teleprompter. And mm. I have one of those teleprompter apps. I forget which one it is, but anyone will work as long as you just put what you need in there. Yeah, I think mine's called teleprompter. And that's it. And actually, <laughs> just so everybody knows, you can look up on Google and just say online teleprompter and there's yes, free ones. I've done that. Cheap. You yep. do have to get used to it. It is a skill. I think that, mm-hmm. that people need to know. Like if you aren't used to reading <laughs> out loud, stage one is you get a book and you just read it out loud. And that mm-hmm. actually is a great way to get going on that. Yeah. But that actually talks about touches on personality, which with like Adam. Adam can riff on I actually mm-hmm. saw him do it. We shot a 30-minute video. He didn't make <laughs> a mistake. It was like, here's the presentation and 30 minutes straight through. I'm like, what the heck? So there's people who could do that in terms of saying their company, I'm thinking about making a podcast. How important is it that you identify the person who's going to be the host? Or is it always the company owner? Or how do you kind of recommend people find that person? That's a great question. I think it's got to be somebody, if you're going to be doing a podcast that's going to be related to your business and your brand, it's got to be someone A, with product knowledge, and then B, who is actually interesting. Because we've had companies come to us and they're like, the marketing director comes to us and they're like, yeah, our CEO is boring. 
but he knows everything. I'm like, well, we need to find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you, the CMO has to do it or somebody. And then with companies like that too, it's important at the beginning, I think, to establish that we're going to be rotating hosts. If you are planning to do that, there's a bit of a expectation set at the beginning instead of swapping out a host mm. 50 episodes in. <laughs> and they're just like, what happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens a lot. But if you can establish that, hey, we're going to have a lot of our team members here sharing the mic because they're all amazing, it sets a precedent that's like, okay, great. Like they already explained this to me. Right. Oh, I love that. Well, actually, I was talking to Kenya Kelly, and she's a TikToker, and she was saying how they sourced the influencers for TikTok ads or just TikTok mm-hmm. content for individual companies. And she said, yeah, we always go out to like five, and we get five of them to send us content. Then we mix it up so that there's no mm-hmm. kind of established spokesperson. It's just a right. bunch of people, which I think is a great, great way to do it. I- ideally, it's going to be an owner just because you know they're not going to leave, and then you don't have to worry about replacing <laughs> yes. content. Actually, let's just talk about that because I used to have a magazine and sometimes I get articles or lots of content from somebody and then they, for whatever reason, break off and be like, pull all my content down. Do you have a recommendation for that situation? Great question. Yeah. Well, in the ad world, if you're doing that with ads, if you had to pull off ads, there's some great technology that can do that nowadays. If you have them dynamically inserted nowadays with tools like Captivate, a couple other ones as well. But from a content perspective, there's definitely... I would say, number one, if it's a host or like an employee, have them sign a contract that their content is yours, the company's. (laughs) So you own everything that they say on the podcast. So that's probably number one. And I'm not a lawyer or anything, but like definitely have them sign something that says content you create here on the podcast is going to stay on the podcast. (laughs) So yeah, I would say that's the first thing. And then second thing, yeah, if you don't have that in place and they leave then and they want all your content gone, I think there's really, you just have to, I would look at what ones convert the best if there's a really good episode and mm-hmm. have them maybe re-recorded by another host, you know? Oh, crazy, um, yeah. And then obviously, yeah, just pull pull the stuff off you need to pull off. But that could get tough, yeah. So if you can nip it in the butt, I guess, ahead of time with a contract, then that may be the best way to do it. Uh, that's a great tip. And actually just talking to people about that mm-hmm. when they're going to do it, like, hey, you're making this content and yeah, things are great. Actually, it's the best time to have it when things are good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't do yeah, it when exactly. it's bad. Like, yeah. hey, by the way, we're keeping your content. No, when they first started, just say, hey, we're making this content. The content is owned by the company. If you leave, we're going to leave this content up. Like just right. that one statement, when they go to leave, they can't, you know, can't. blow my stuff off. And just so people know, like, even if you have somebody who left and maybe it, it was a bad breakup, do not pull their content just because you spite them. If the right. content's right. working, do not get yeah. rid of the content. Yeah. You're being petty. <laughs> Maybe. Point. I mean, who knows? But there's really good point. unique situations, but I think always keep the content if you can. In regards to, say, monetizing the content, because I think it's very easy when you get on the path of like, we're doing a podcast, we're going to do lots of podcasts, and you start going down the <laughs> path, and then like, it's not making any money. How do you? incorporate the calls to action and kind of offers into each episode. Yeah, I guess there's no perfect way to dive into this, but I'll say one thing. If you've got a bunch of content, right, and you are sitting on a bunch of stuff, you're like, well, great. Now we want to start adding calls to actions to this stuff. What I would do is make sure there's certain softwares you can do this with. For me, we use Captivate, but like there's other softwares that can do this as well, where if you have all the content in there, you can literally insert a call to action at the beginning of every single old episode. So all of your episodes in your back catalog can now have that same call to action that is like like from your next offer that's going to be launching next month. So everybody who's listening to that, whatever episode of this episode one or whatever, they can obviously hear the call to action on the most updated offers you have. 
So that's the first thing if we're, if we're looking at monetizing content for our own, for like our own products and services, mm-hmm. right? Or if you have a sponsor, you can sell that back catalog inventory because that's all inventory, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. So if you had a, a sponsor who wanted to advertise all of your podcasts, not just the next four the month, but like the 58 you have in the back catalog, it's a little bit of tedious work for sure. But if you have a, a software that can do that, typically a hosting v- provider that can do that, um, it's not going to be perfect. Like it's not like you had a great editor go and edit it in, but if you can get it pretty darn close, if you take some time and insert those ads properly. So monetization, if you have a ton of content, you can bring on a sponsor if it makes sense and sell that back catalog inventory, which can be decently profitable. You know, if you have a big enough audience or, or you can use it to sell your own stuff. Those are two easy ways to start right now, right away without doing much too much work or making a new product or anything like that. I love how you incorporate both that kind of like internal ads versus external ads. Because I think that there's this big perception that if you start a podcast, you're instantly going to be able to make all this money off of advertising. And even if you are getting thousands of downloads, there's a good chance you'll never get an advertiser. (laughs) Like what are some guidelines in terms of how many downloads do you need to even make it worth it to do advertising for other yeah, that's a great question. So I guess to take a step back, the way podcast sponsors work, there's three main ways. There's one, the CPM model, which is cost per milli, which is like every thousand downloads, I'm gonna give you 50 bucks. This is like Tim Ferriss because he's got a million downloads per episode. A million downloads, 50 bucks per thousand. That's pretty good money or whatever it is. That's a CPM model. The next model is a CPA model, which is like straight up like affiliate, like cost per acquisition, where it's like you have an affiliate code, or they say, hey, use Mark at checkout and you get a cut of whatever money that comes from people who buy from that link. And then the other model is what I call custom advertising packages. So CAP model, where it's like you wrap the podcasts with your email list and with your Instagram, for example, and you give them slots on all three of those those three assets. And you can charge anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000 a month for that kind of stuff. Oh. We've got clients that make five figures a month with that kind of sponsorship model which is awesome. But when it comes to your question, downloads, like how many downloads do I need to start making money with sponsors? I would say anywhere from a thousand and a thousand up is like, if I have a very, very niche audience, we had a consulting client once that did like Amazon logistics. So it's called the last mile logistics or something similar to that. And basically she had like a thousand downloads per month kind of downloads. And then she was making good money from her sponsors because she was getting paid by these massive companies who want to reach these this very small audience, right? So a thousand downloads minimum, if you have a very small niche audience, you can make good money. The broader your topic gets, like if I'm trying to do interviewing entrepreneurs or interviewing, that's like a big market. You're looking at probably like 20, 30,000 downloads per month or sorry, per episode before we can start to like, get some good money in there from sponsors. That's super helpful guideline. Hey, well, and, and the whole niche part of it, because I'll hear yeah. digital market, we're always like, hey, figure out your customer avatar, figure mm-hmm. out how you want to get them on the path. And then now you could start doing things like content where you're making podcasts. Right. But before that, yeah, if you're going broad, like I'm, I'm going to do men's health. You always right. see all this men's health. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you're going to need a million yeah. downloads before people even look at you. So if you can go super niche and I'll see it. I think I had one client that did like drilling in Texas and you think like, ah, oh, how could they possibly make money off of that? And he kills it oh, just right. because it's just drilling in Texas. Like, Yeah, exactly. Plenty of people in Texas who do drilling who will now listen to that because it's the only one that focuses on that content. So I think niching is huge. And then also what you were saying about if you go broader, 
you're going to need way more downloads. More downloads. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And another thing to add is like, look at your market. Like, for example, drilling, big companies in there, they have big eight, nine, 10 figure companies are in the oil business. They've got some pretty deep marketing, pretty big marketing budgets there. So that's great. And they can easily drop five grand a month on a podcast. Like, you know, if they reach no, a thousand great. of their best listeners, their best customers, then it makes total sense. Well, I love that that notice too, because for them, like their marketing budget might be, I don't know, 10 million a month. <laughs> like <it's>, exactly. It's <laughs> a drop in the bucket. It is. Yeah. They won't even notice this. Like this is not even a decision that has to go above like the entry intern that said, yeah. oh yeah, this intern said join this podcast. So we gave them yeah. 10,000 bucks. Yeah. So there are some markets in anywhere. There's, there's some markets that have very oversized returns. If you're sponsor our giant companies with giant budgets. And it's like, great. For most people listening to this, that's probably not the norm. Like they're probably small business owners or entrepreneurs or people or CMOs. So that's probably not gonna be the norm, but in some cases they can be. That's awesome. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time, we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. So let's just talk about the starting up of the podcast because I think one of the things that yeah, just in everything, they get into something they're like, oh, well, I need to buy the mic set up and I need to buy the camera and then I need to rebuild this room to be a studio and then they get into all this yeah. setup stuff and then they never shoot an episode and yep. they just spent 5,000 bucks on stuff. Uh, what do you recommend for new companies? Say not shoestring, but they have a budget right. for getting this going. What kind of setup could they expect? to have to invest in? I would say if you're anywhere from a thousand to 1500 bucks in, you have an office probably already dedicated a room or something to it, soundproof that room. My room probably sounds horrible right now <laughs> in an Airbnb in, in Croatia right now, but most companies are gonna have to take a room or dedicate some kind of room, soundproof it a little bit with some panels you can buy on Amazon, probably two mics. The Shure, I wanna butcher this, SM, SMV7, I think it is. There's a Shure mic now that's basically a podcasting mic that sounds... Like yours isn't the short. Yeah, it's, the road. Really, it's a real okay. Yeah. So some mics that are good quality are probably gonna run you two two hundred to two fifty. You're probably gonna need two of those. So it's about five hundred bucks there, plus the panels, and then like a mix cast four, which is something that's really easy to use. It's you put like cool sound effects in it and it does all the post production on there too. So that those couple of pieces right there, without even looking at the camera, I would just say get you can just get like the webcams, like a nice a 4K the Brio Logitech webcam, which mm-hmm. does a pretty darn good job. You're in right now, right there, about 1500 bucks to $2,000. 
Like that, that's a company. And you can do it way cheaper than that. But I'm just saying if a company wants to spend a little bit of money on it, that's probably what you're looking at for the main pieces. What about the hosting? Because I know a lot of people oh, yeah. think like, oh, I could host it myself. But I always used uh, Buzzsprout. That was like my go-to. Yeah. Buzzsprout's good. I'd say the top three are going to be Buzzsprout, Libsyn, and Captivate. For me, I choose Captivate because it has a bit more mark, a few more like the marketing tools, which are I kind of nerd out on and geek out on. So if you're more of a nerdy marketer, I would say go that route. But Buzzsprout's right up there with Captivate, and then Libsyn's very solid as well. So any of those three will work. That's awesome. Well, and just if you don't know what we're talking about, basically your podcast have to live somewhere online. And so mm-hmm. Buzzsprout or Captivate, those are where the actual files will live. And then you could typically like with Buzzsprout, I could just click iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify and it'll just ship it out to everything. So that's right. the benefit. So you don't have to set up each platform necessarily. It'll yeah. kind of publish it for you. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's say that they have just the components that they'll need to get started. For when I was doing podcast setup, I'd do the logo. I would do some splash graphics and some chant or some episode graphics that they could use. What other kind of core components do they need yeah. to have to kind of launch? Well, definitely need a trailer episode, which is like a two minute episode just to tell, like, hey, here's what the show's about. Here's a promise of the show. Here's who the show is for. And here's why you should listen, right? Here's why it's different from all the other podcasts talking about the same thing. So, trailer episode, two to three minutes talking about kind of the big pieces there. And then, intro, outro. If you're someone who wants to do a kind of a standard intro and outro, what we call that, which is like a pre recorded intro and outro, right? You guys have the music that flows right into the interview and has like the whole digital marketer sound effect thing, which is cool, right? So that kind of branded piece and then an outro. And then with one thing, cool thing I've learned from the outros too, if you've got a bunch of client testimonials, like if people listen to my show, like you'll hear a bunch of client testimonials on mine, mm. which is if you have the audio from them already, it's like, why not put them on an outro, especially if you're selling like high ticket or you're doing coaching or mastermind, then I think it's a nice touch. And it's also not just your voice the entire time. Just nice for a bit, right? So get your client's permission. But like, if you have testimonials and just strip the audio from them and have an editor mix them together, and then you can put together a pretty cool outro that kind of tells people a little bit more about who you serve, how you serve, results you've gotten, et cetera. Wow, that's a, that's a huge tip because it's repurposes existing content. And I like how you said how it breaks up just you talking which is right. what people kind of expect it. Like you, you don't have to think about it, but we all grew up with TV or at least I did. And you had commercials that you had to watch, but yeah. the commercials served. It was almost like the, the cadence of the whatever episode of whatever you're watching would lead up to the point where they're going to break and then do the advertisement. So there's almost this right. roller coaster of attention that you get. And yeah. those little stops actually created tension that you then were looking forward to the mm-hmm. episode coming back. So I think that's actually a huge benefit is having those commercials, even though they're commercials. And I've heard commercials, some commercials are done wrong where I can't even tell that the commercial started. (laughs) It'll just be like, (laughs) here's the topic. And then all of a sudden I'm pitching you something and then Mm -hmm. it goes back to the topic. Do you have best practices for if you are going to insert, say, a live ad into a podcast? My own, this is going to sound funny, but my only tip is to model Donald Miller. Mm. Donald Miller does a great job with his ads. Like I once bought a ticket from him once because like the product didn't even fit me for what I wanted to do, <laughs> but I almost bought it anyways because it was so good. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, Donald Miller's show back in the day, he would do these. I think now because he's part of a network, he may not be doing the same thing. But if you listen to any of his episodes from like, I want to say like 2020 
go back in the archives. But his ads were so good because he would, they'd have this little music that rolled into it, like underneath the thing. And then he kind of lists out all the reasons why you should go. Like it was an event he was selling. He's like, look, listen, here's why you should go. You're already spending this money. Da, da, da. He would kind of like break down all of your objections. Huh. And this is for like one of his internal products. When it comes to ads, I would say live like host red ads typically are going to convert better than just like a pre-recorded thing. Mm-hmm. Once people know it's pre-recorded, they're going to hit the, the fast yeah. forward button. Yeah. So it's like if you're doing your own offer, you probably know it enough to articulate it live on the podcast without having to slot in like a little pre-recorded thing. If you're doing it to like, for like an advertiser, that might make more, for me, like I use a pre-recorded one, even though it's not the most effective, it's like the best way for me to get all the features and benefits for my ad, for my sponsor in a 30, 45 second thing without me having to do it every single time. So for me, like that works. Is it the best, highest converting? Maybe not, but it gets the job done. So for me, that, that works. But yeah, if you're going to do it for your own stuff, do it live. Don't do it pre-recorded. If you're doing it for a sponsor and they have like a certain like guidelines for you to read, you probably should follow the guidelines and, and pre-record it. Love that. No, that's a huge tip. Because yeah, I always thought like, is it actually effective to do the ad myself or not? I do. I will say also that if you ever plan on switching the ad out, it it's better to pre-record because yes, <laughs> then you'll have to find where you broke and yep. then you replace that stuff. In terms of duration, do you, have you found more effective lengths or lengths you shouldn't do? Because I've heard like three minute ads before. I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a delicate balance. I always see it like this. We had, literally had a client ask us this yesterday. So this is a very relevant question. And what I said is like, I told them like, they should be paying you a lot of money if you're going longer than like a minute. And the reason why is because the longer you run with an ad, like you just said, like the more risk you're putting your show at, people like tuning out of it, like not liking it and like unfollowing you. So you're putting yourself at risk. If you're going to give them a huge ad, they better be paying you a decent amount of money. So that's one thing as a one opinion I have. But in general, if you look at the Apple podcasts, like the app, I think I want to say it's 30 second jump. So if you have a 30 second ad, I can hit skip and be done with the ad like that. So that's annoying, right? If you're an advertiser, one skip, one button and I'm out. And for that reason, I recommend 45 seconds. So, and the reason why is because like, even if they hit skip and the 30, they jump 30 seconds ahead, they still get the last 15 second call to action where it's like the most important stuff, like contest sends here, go to this website to learn more. And then they're back into their content. So I found this as a listener because I listened to a history podcast where they have 45 second ads. And I'm like, that's genius. Because I can't skip the entire thing. <laughs> and if <laughs> I skip some of the content, yeah. Yeah, if I double skip, I hit double tap, then I end up having to go back 15 seconds anyways. So I just suck it up and listen to it. So I'm like, yeah. So from an ad perspective, I'd recommend doing 45 seconds for that reason. Because if people uh, skip it, they still listen to the last bit. That's a huge tip. Make sure we're doing that too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> last yeah. ad question. How many ads is good or not enough for an episode? Like is one ad in, oh, I'd say one ad is enough, but is there a good balance of? Yeah, I think there's no perfect number. I would say three is the max. And I can't remember, this was off of somebody else who was bigger and smarter than me. I want to say it's John Lee Dumas, but don't quote me on that. This was something I've heard other places, but even when you listen to podcasts as a listener, like three ads, because think about it, your your listener came to the show listening about you 
And them listening to you plus three other companies and their calls to actions is going to be overkill. Mm. So I think that's definitely the max. And I think three is probably pushing it. I would say most of our clients, if they're doing ads, they do one to two per show. Yeah, it seems like a good balance. I, of course, it's always the duration of the actual episode. They'll probably really Correct. dictate how many yeah. you do. Because if you uh, do a 90-minute episode, it's like, well, you could do more. Oops, there we go. I was Easy. like, I think, I think my first podcast was listening to Joe Rogan because everybody, well, actually, I sold my company to on it, and then I was going to work there, and it's Joe Rogan's company. So I'm like, oh, I'll listen to Joe Rogan. And I started listening to it. It was a half-hour drive to work, and I'm like, I didn't actually hear anything. The episode's like four and a half <laughs> hours long. How do people listen to that much content? Right. Uh, <laughs> so just for duration of episode, mm-hmm. do you have a balance that you recommend or starting out, it should be this long and moving forward yeah. should be this long? So for if you're doing solos, I mean, unless you can really riff and, and keep in mind, this will vary by the industry you're in, like marketers, people who are doing digital marketing, I would say, like, if you look at the top digital marketing podcasts, a lot of them from like five, seven minutes long. So I look at that as a benchmark. I'm like, okay, well, like marketers, I love five, seven minute long episodes. And just because I can get something out of it and I can move on to the next thing on a walk really, really easily. So look at your industry, like look at the top people in your space and don't take it as gospel, but like if you can see relatively all of them are 35 to 45 minutes, and that's probably your benchmark for in the digital marketing space. Like I said, I found like five to seven minutes. 10 to 15 minutes are really good ranges if you're doing solos. I can't say you can do an interview that short. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. It, it's tough. It's, it never goes over well with the guest. So yeah, look at your industry. But for sh- solos, if you're a digital marketer, I would say look at going shorter, under 20 minutes. If you're doing storytelling, we had a podcast that was more storytelling that was in the kind of animal protection space. So save, helping animals, saving chickens, saving... <laughs> saving animals that were getting harmed by big companies. They had a storytelling podcast that was like 90 minutes long, you know, because it was telling the journey of these animals. So look at your ideal listener. And one tip we do too, is we survey the audience before we launch a podcast. So it can either be through IG or or Instagram or Facebook. It can be a Google survey. It's kind of done them all. Like listen and figure out what are your clients' best podcasts and then look at those podcasts and the times. And then that can give you an idea of like what they're actually saying yes to listening to. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah, because I think it's, wow, well, it's just a balance of, should it be a long episode, but you produce less of them? Or should it be a shorter episode, right. and you produce a lot more of them and so on and so forth. But in the interest of not making this episode 10 hours long, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, okay, last question. So in our new content cert that we're coming out, we basically break up content into mm-hmm. three pillars. There's articles, the ring content, there's videos, your long-form YouTube videos, and then you have podcasts. So podcasts, we kind of view as like, okay, this is a pillar piece of content, lots of stuff in there. Right. How do you think that podcast as a content medium kind of compares to video and written content? Mm. I like podcasts because they can actually do all three. If you have a video podcast like this, we can actually be doing a video, YouTube video if we want to do it. And then we can also transcribe this and have a good writer turn that into an article. So I like it. And this could be the same thing for videos too, right? So I think I almost look at audio and podcasts and YouTube videos almost in the same thing because most podcasters are doing video and some YouTubers are taking their audio and transcribe or turning it into a podcast. The way it stacks up, Honestly, I'd say if you're doing video podcasts, you're in a good place. If you're doing just audio, then I think it's definitely lagging behind video. 
just because there's so much more you can do with video. Video, you can literally get all three. So I guess the takeaway is like, if you're doing podcasts, you might as well practice getting good at doing video podcasts because that's where everything is moving. That makes sense. Well, and I think for me, in terms of the content creation, I always, I, I usually push podcasts because I'm like podcasts, you can get a good cadence of doing it. Yeah. You, know, you can do it every so often compared to video content. It's something that you don't have to look perfect to do because mm-hmm. if you're doing like a video, you're like, ah, oh, I kind of want transitions. I want to edit it. I want to do all this stuff. Whereas podcast mm-hmm. is like, you know, I'm just doing a podcast. I'm sitting here talking to a mic. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of expectations. <laughs> so yeah. So it's an excellent medium. And if you want to put out lots of content, then doing like a 10-minute speech, essentially, you could do way more of those than you could do Mm -hmm. 10 articles or 10 edited YouTube videos. Like those those two things will take you 20 hours where a podcast, I could edit this in 30 minutes and get it up. So that's, I love podcasts. Yeah, if you're doing podcasts, you can do it in volume. Like there's a couple of podcasts I listen to every now and then that they do them every single day. And I think the reason the secret to that is doing it very, having a very templated approach. Like you can't get too sexy with the whole crazy transitions or really robust show notes, no video. Like if you do it very simple and templated, then you can do a lot at scale, which is really can be a, a key advantage for some people. Oh yeah. You'll hear it on the content cert where I say, you need to do lots of content and... No, you can't just do one episode or one article and expect it to take off. But I could talk about that all night long. We'll definitely have to have you back. I think this is a good subject for talking about more advanced podcasting methods and episode types and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have you back soon. If people want to learn more in the meantime, where can they go? Two places. I'm probably breaking my own rule here of giving out just one call to action. But Instagram, just to connect, just shoot me a DM at Luis Ryan Diaz. And then just top10podcast.com. If my tech guys have taken care of their job, we should be all good. There's top10podcast.com. We'll just kind of give you everything you need to know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think, like I said, we love podcasting here at Digital Marketer. It looks like you've done tons and know a ton about it. So we'll definitely have you back on soon to talk more podcasts. Mark, thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.